Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is the Super Bowl preview, Gronkamoli edition. Big Chilians, welcome to our Super Sunday preview. Because I don't know, Sam, if you know, in the U.S., you're not allowed to say Super Bowl Sunday. If you're doing like a commercial or something like that, you have to call it Super Sunday because they've trademarked like Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you have to call it like the big game. The big game. Like yeah. I mean, they do the same thing with the Olympics. The big Sunday. If, if you've ever listened to like a radio show or, a t- or seen a TV show where they like broadcast from around the Olympics, but they don't have the rights to cover the Olympics, they'll always be like, we're covering a major sporting event in London right now with multiple <laughs> like, like <laughs> in fairness, the company I work for, Roland Garros, um, is one of our uh, clients. And I guess I might be in about to have a breach of contract here, but they, they, uh, you definitely said that as if you worked for Roland Garros at first. Yeah. The way you said that. <laughs> no, so one, so they're one of our clients and we wanted to like use them for a case study or something. And they've actually signed as part of their contract, they signed a marketing discount. So, so that they could, as part of that, they gave us the right to use their name, use their logo or whatever. And I called up just to speak to one of them to be like, Hey, can we, interview some people for a, for a case study. And they were like, yeah, 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 of course, no problem. They said, but we prefer that you not use Roland Garros. They're like, okay, I'll, I'll call it the French Open. That's fine. Like most people in English speaking countries think of it as the French Open anyway. And they're like, yeah, no, not that either. Uh, could you maybe call it like um, a major sporting event that takes place in Paris on an annual basis around the spring, early summer. I was like, well, that <laughs> rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. yeah that'll, that'll look good on a TV ad. Yeah. Yeah. So we can get into that a little later. I've got a bunch of good facts um, and some interesting questions about the Super Bowl. That should be pretty fun because I mean, it's, you know, it's a pretty boring Super Bowl to talk about. The Chiefs are going to dominate anyway, so not much to really discuss. So we can. Well, have some maybe fun with not it. all of us are making that <laughs> pick. I guess we are going into our Super Bowl picks as a teaser. <laughs> as a teaser, we may not all be picking the Chiefs. Now, I'm not saying Ooh. I'm not picking the Chiefs, but I'm saying maybe we won't all pick the Chiefs. But before we get into that, I have. I know that you may have your own topics. I have a question for both of you, and it may have been prompted by one of you over the course of this week or in the buildups uh to to this leaving someone on red on a text message is obviously a hotly debated topic but do you prefer to be left on red or for the person to intentionally not read it so that you know it's been a long enough time that they must have seen the notification but they clearly avoid reading it so that you don't get the red symbol which is your preference i wait i want some clarifications before i give an answer is this like a text message or like through a messaging app? Either one. Because so for instance, like I don't have I don't have <laughs> notifications on my Facebook Messenger. So like we could be talking, like you know, talking on Facebook Messenger, and if I have my phone closed, I would never know, and it won't even light up on the screen. But a text message, you would see like seven text messages unread on your iPhone. No, look, I'm, I'm always willing to f- understand that someone may not have seen the message. I'm personally someone, I have zero notifications for anything. Like 
WhatsApp, text message, Facebook, Instagram DMs. Man, Eddie, that just makes it, that just makes my video interview so much worse because you always instantly respond, (laughs) which means you're just always on. Just (laughs) just a sixth sense, just a sixth sense. It's part of the cult. If you join the cult, I give you this, this extra sense that allows you to know when you've received a message and to know when someone is avoiding your message. That's the real, that's the real kicker. Wow. It's well, I'm pretty I, sure this isn't me. There's, so. there's a lot of, <laughs> it, is, it is not. It is, is, not is you, it, Frank. It's me, isn't it? It's oh, me. Of course it's you, Sam. Of course it's you. So why are you asking for my opinion? <laughs> because I genuinely, because obviously I know in the kind of, you know, discussion zeitgeist, like the idea of being left on red is a big thing, right? And so genuinely for me, it is the question. Because I know with you, Sam, you don't leave people on red. What you do is you avoid opening the message until you want to respond to it. And my question or is, it he's, goes, a, he's, a, he's a ghost ghoster. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or so my question is, which is better? Like which, do you, which is to me, there's like, I almost feel like the avoiding reading it is worse than reading it. And then like being left on red. I kind of think it's worse that way around. Cause that's the person like, saying, I don't want to speak to you right now. I'm not even going to read whatever you've sent me. It could be like, help, please send an ambulance. And yeah, like, it's not it's now. way It's way worse because there is the off chance that maybe they yeah. legitimately didn't read it. And if it is an important message, now you're like, did they read it? Did they not read it? But at least if they showed they read it, you can think, okay, well, he's just being an asshole. doesn't want to respond to me, but exactly. at least he's seen that I'm dying right now and I need his help. <laughs> Frank has come and stabbed me 45 times in my sleep and he's choosing not to come help me. <laughs> exactly. I I think I'd prefer to be left on red because if it's not a question, then who cares if it's been read? It's just you've acknowledged it and you don't need to say anything. Who cares kind of thing. Uh-oh. Whereas when you're talking about, say, if you ask me to play Call of Duty or something, for example, and I don't read it, legitimately I may have missed it because I go on my WhatsApp a lot to speak to work colleagues outside of work. So I do go on it a lot to speak to other people missing messages. So if there's a little bit of stalkering going on and you see like an online status, no, 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 no. I'm not even judging your status. Do I'm you just fancy judging, me, Eddie? I'm just judging the fact that in a 72-hour period, it's impossible you've not checked your WhatsApp When have messages. I gone 72 hours? <laughs> no. Re- oh, no, sometimes, yes. And in particular, too, because I also know you've got an Apple Watch. That is categorically not true. Or a Samsung I, a smartwatch. I do, I do not have a smartwatch. You got rid of your smartwatch. I got rid of my smartwatch. Oh wow! Because because people were suspecting. Oh, because people were bombarding me of messages. <laughs> so I, I turn my phone when I work upside down, and it mutes it. So I don't see them. I don't get them. I don't get buzzed, and I frequently have the ability to forget messages. So instead, you bought the. So you ditched your. Uh, you had an Apple Watch, right? Yeah. You ditched your Apple Watch for the terrorist watch. What, the Casio? Yeah. Oh, Casio, uh, like digital watches, famed for being the watch of choice for terrorists. Really? Why? You mean for like making bombs? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 100%. <laughs> the watch makes bombs. Oh, no, you mean for, for like, like using, a timer? <laughs> for like timers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, as opposed to like it's laser-like precision when they hijack a plane. <laughs> I, I think specifically the the model, which I don't think you'd have to show me it again, but I think the specific model is the F91W, which is the terrorist watch. But is I don't, it? Yeah, I don't think that's that has like a fatter dial than. Is that the this F91W? Is the F91W. Right <laughs> oh, here. It is the terrorist watch. I have the watch of the terrorist. Yeah. So, so what we found out now is <laughs> Sam got rid of his Apple watch because it impeded his terroristic abilities. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason I'm not replying, Eddie. I'm, I'm doing it for your safety. <laughs> okay. I'm glad. I'm glad that when the authorities come to arrest you, they'll be like, oh, is, is Edward Hewitt associated with this terror cell? They'll be like, no, he never read any of his messages. It seems like he was a nobody. Thank you. It's going to come back to Frank, though, because of the, um, the band he gave me. Yes. So they're yeah, going to yeah. be like, well, what happened around this time? <laughs> Did they'll think they're change? like secret messages, the, the numbers on there. They'll be like, this is kind of some kind of code yeah. system. Yeah, they're going to look at the dots for the goals and they're going to be like, this means something. <laughs> yeah, you better hope that like it's not one in the ninth minute, one in the 11th minute. <laughs> like... <laughs> oh, no, God. <laughs> oh, God. Well, now that Eddie's gotten that off his chest. <laughs> yeah. He, I, wow. No, to be clear, I didn't mean it as an attack on Sam. It's a genuine, it genuinely interested me. I thought about it. I was like, which do I prefer? knowing someone read it and ignored it or just someone ignoring the message itself to me like that's what i was more getting at more than attacking sam i also wanted to attack sam but the wider discussion is also interesting amazing i love you too <laughs> now obviously if you are a listener and a subscriber you know that not only is it super bowl sunday this week but just as importantly, we dropped a very nice interview with David, um, with Derek Ray, the his commentator friends for him, His FIFA. friends call him David. It's really funny because the reason that's in my head is it's the person I'm interviewing next. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yes, we dropped our Derek Ray interview and... Um, for those who haven't listened yet, definitely go listen. It was a really great interview. And the thing, so we've kind of talked off air about it. the thing that amazed me the most is the instant he started talking, it felt like you were playing FIFA. Like from the moment he started it as if you had like turned it up, turned it on and a match was about to start. And he was just giving like a little story before the match. It was amazing. Yeah, no, his commentator voice was, I'm quite envious of someone whose voice just sounds like that it would be a nice nice thing that it might make, make, make me actually enjoy listening to my own voice yeah do you not like listening to your own voice not particularly i will say i mean i guess oh i hate it i hate podcast, it i despise it the podcast has made me made me hate it a little bit less just because i've had to do it like when i'm editing i have to listen to it so in that respect, I'm now just, I guess, more used to hearing my own voice. So I'm, that's, this is helping from that perspective, but I still don't like it. Yeah. There's nothing worse than when you're on like a, like a work call or something. And you know, when it echoes sometimes and you can kind of hear yourself very slowly after you've said it, I, I honestly just stop talking half the time because I can't stand listening to my own voice. It's no, I don't like it one bit. But here I am doing a podcast, so I guess it's not that. 
I guess I'm not too bothered by it. The, so, I mean, he, he had so many cool stories, but one of the ones that I thought was pretty neat was kind of how he got into broadcasting and announcing. And basically when he was younger, he would just carry around a portable recording device and like commentate as he was walking around. And it just gets me thinking about how cool it must have been to be like a kid as he's doing that, playing a soccer match and just having someone at the end of your field kind of announcing your own match. That's got to be so neat, like and fun. Like, oh, we've got announcers when we play our games in the park. You know, it's like, that's got to be cool. Yeah, because he turned out to be a professional commentator, it's cool. In another universe. <laughs> in another universe, a, he's, he's a, a weirdo. Creep. Yeah, so <laughs> as it turned out, it, the intentions were good. And the you get to say like, hey, that guy you're listening to used to just sit the end, like sit on a park bench and commentate on my football matches. In another world, it's like, hey, that guy used to sit on a park bench and commentate on my football matches. Yep. And then he molested a few of us. Well, no, he wasn't a guy. He was also a kid. <laughs> yeah, but it could have kept going, yeah. right? You you can you can genuinely understand that statement coming from like a, oh that guy's famous now too that's just been overheard in a police station. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things like when they people tell you like isn't it cool when celebrities do this? Can't we all do it? And it's like no, it's only cool because it's a celebrity. Like if you're just a normal person, it becomes a little bit weird. Well, it it, it reminded me a little bit of um, so I played a lot of sports kind of growing up, but we played in a outdoor roller hockey league that our town had developed like a really nice league and they went the whole nine on it like we would have announcers at the game we had like really nice scoreboards and rinks uh we had stats like always calculated it would be like in the newspaper uh in like the local newspapers they'd have like updates of all the games so you could like cut out your clippings and stuff like that they would have awards like mvp rookie of the year for each time you moved up a division it was like really cool i know i i know that what you're saying is true but in my mind what's made me laugh is i'm just picturing that like your parents would hastily put together this like little newspaper and like glue into the existing <laughs> newspaper like an article that they've <laughs> written like once again frank duca was the all-star of the <laughs> like for the a guy headline. who scored two goals in 50 games i found myself in the newspaper a lot <laughs> yeah but they had you'd ever like looked up and we're like in the business section and the headline was like stocks drop again like it's like oh wow <laughs> but duca's stock on the rise <laughs> they've like just pasted your face onto like a picture of michael jordan dunking in the newspaper well <laughs> uh, yeah i was gonna ask if you guys had that because i mean like i also played you know baseball and other sports and stuff and that we didn't have that type of of part to it i thought like this was just a special kind of program we had where they definitely went the extra mile to make it seem like a real cool thing that you're like almost like a semi-pro kind of feeling. I never had league-wide coverage. I played in matches that sometimes got covered, like if you made it to a final or in the playoffs. Like I had that happen. Um, or like state conferences and stuff. But I never like on a weekly basis a newspaper was keeping up to date with what we were doing. Yeah. 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 I've, I've been in a newspaper once, but... I, it wouldn't have been like someone tracking the sport. It was just <laughs> I, I had a milestone within a sport I was doing um, that was what, newsworthy. What was the milestone? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, uh, so I used to be a um, sailing instructor when I was younger. And I was the 
youngest qualified instructor in the southwest of England at one point at um at the age of 15 so because where I'm from is like a, a bit of a like a sailing hotspot I guess um what kind of boat? uh Kestrel and um Cadet they were what the two that? that I could instruct well, about 14 foot of Kestrel so it was a three. It was a three man. You can run it as a two man. You can race it as a two man. But then a cadet for racing, which is like a small boat. But so yeah, it, you used to have this. So if we um, ever get together, can you teach Eddie and me along with you to to sail in this on, three person boat? I I don't need to be taught. I'm I'm a licensed sailor. My oh, license yeah. has long lapsed, but uh... yes, that's that's kind of my qualifications as well. If I just turned up and said I'm commandeering this boat, people might raise an eyebrow. But yeah, I think once I got back in, I could probably learn the ropes again quite quickly, so to speak. Oh, pun intended. Yeah, exactly. But there used to be this unfortunate reality that you used to have a lot of holiday makers come down, and then they realised they had been trained by a 15 year old kid. <laughs> And they were like, no, I'm not having this. <laughs> so there used to be a lot of fun backlash about it. but That kind of wouldn't put me off. I mean, when I was taught to sail, it was by like a 35-year-old man. But it wouldn't have put me off if it had been a 15-year-old kid. Because I would have just assumed, well, this kid grew up sailing. Like, he's out on the water every day. So this is He must fine. be really good. Yeah. yeah. And I almost feel like this is like some prodigy. Yeah. I mean, as it turned out, they were right to be concerned because, look, you, you're not a sailor. So in, in the end, <laughs> <laughs> they're right to be concerned. Seven people died after capsizing yeah. the boat. Turns yeah, out that, you, yeah. you, weren't, you weren't Ben Ainsley. So they were right to be concerned. <laughs> Especially when they found out that my certificates were printed on the back of like a Chinese menu, takeaway menu. <laughs> Probably Frank's parents had uh, written your, your certificates <laughs> yeah. up for you at the same I, time. I believe writing. the own hype only to realize that my parents had done it <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. I'm really going places. Samuel Jones sails around the world in eight days. <laughs> I like that you think my parents care enough about me to put stories in a paper, but also enough about a random person in, living in England named Sam who wants his sailing certifications. <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those pen pal schemes. We exactly. were actually pen pals at one point, and they were like, we're going to help him out. We're going to help a friend. <laughs> it's like a pen pal fraud scheme that you sign up for. Well, like a pyramid pen pal scheme. It just helps you get like foreign documents, you know, like if you want a Nigerian driving license or something, when you're like nine years old, you just sign up into this program and they randomly assign you. Wait, why would, do you mean a Nigerian needing that? Or for some reason, would I need that Nigerian driving uh, you, license? You would want it. Why would he want you, it? Uh, am I going Nigeria? You, you can get, you can then from that license, you could try and get an, another license in a less expensive fashion right <laughs> oh i see you could use it to like get a convert. uk license yeah ah. you then try and convert it into a uk license see, or see, you're or playing the long game you're clever you're clever yeah. you've done and at least you'd, you'd have at least a few months where you'd be able to drive right so <laughs> as a nine-year-old realize yeah until they realize the horrible error that they've made that left numerous people dead on a motorway you could just have Yakubu's driver's license from when he was nine. What was that quote from, what was it, David Moyes? When he was like, how old is Yakubu? And he said something like, he's an African he he's, 27 or something no, like I think that. he said he's a Nigerian 27, I think is what he said. <laughs> for context, Frank, uh, Yakubu was a very successful footballer in the Premier League for 
quite a long time, played for a number of clubs, Everton, Blackburn, a few others. Um, always looked a little older than he said he was, which quite <laughs> a few Nigerian players have had. And David Moyes once implied that he might actually be older than he said he was. I think Yakubu sued him, I think. Like the uh, pitcher pitcher from the Little League World Series. Well, speaking of pensions and 401ks, how's that GameStop stock doing? (laughs) I bailed. I bailed and my short position on BlackBerry worked out pretty well. So I was happy about that. So I'll leave myself out of the larger GameStop conversation. I'd really like to know, Frank, how's it going for you? How's that line? Oh, I bailed. Oh, I, I ditched the line hard. At what when? price? When did you? Um, I ditched the line at like 180, 170, somewhere on there. Okay. I feel bad because a friend of the podcast and listener to the podcast, Austin, who we've discussed on some previous oh, episodes. God, what did Austin do? <laughs> so he to, is oh, holding poor, that poor line. Austin, he is holding. He, <laughs> is, he, he is in the vanguard of that line at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So after the after we recorded on Thursday, I was then speaking to him on Friday and we talked about it a lot. And I said I was probably going to try and get in a bit more. Austin oh, eventually, no. I think Friday after late Friday afternoon, decided to jump in. So at pretty much the high, like not far off the high point, uh, oh, he's still there. Dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Have you heard from him? Is he is he okay? <laughs> um, I mean, the last time I heard from him, so his last few messages to me, which I read, I should add, did they um, just say goodbye? <laughs> he said on Wednesday regret buying gme <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a nice knowing you all <laughs> left uh, that one on red i said oh man you're still in and he said yeah at this point i consider it a sunk investment so exactly. i think he's, he's in for the long haul at hey, this they, point now you just you have see? to accept it's happening right you have to hope that that is going to the moon because did, he's still in. Damn. Did you see the um the post say I'm on it now? That it's it's almost identically replicating what happened with Volkswagen, where like it went all the way back down and then boom, it shot up instantly. I mean, you look at these like trading platform forums and you go on like the GME stock, and people are saying that they've got them right where they want want them and things like that. I'm not yeah. sure how delusional or genius they are i i I have no we're gonna find out pretty soon (laughs) we're gonna find out soon you know they talk about they talk about some crazy stuff like apparently on the stock exchange they got on a short restriction list so they can't short anymore these hedge funders so it's gonna blow up at some point but i mean it's like 60 at the moment isn't it yeah it's it's way down (sighs) i mean you say they say some crazy things. They call each other retards. I will say the thing. And and artists. Artists. And artists. Yeah. The one I prefer that they use for each other quite a lot is soft brains. And I actually think soft brain is kind of like not a bad term to use. Like I might start calling some of my friends soft brains. We're like thrown into meetings. Like, should we listen to them? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's a little bit of a soft brain. It's, it's a great like low-key insult yeah. that takes you a second to realize you've been severely insulted. Yes. <laughs> and also one of those where you could try and spin yourself out of it. If someone called you on it and you were like, soft brain, are you insulting me? You could, you could try and dance away and be like, it's a compliment. Like, 
Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I lost some on GME and then I actually was down pretty bad on AMC and decided that was going to be the one I wrote out and it popped up. Was it yesterday or, or this morning, like 20%. So then I got out at once it went up and I was like, I'm not going to ride this out. Have so I, I pretty much made back on that one. Have any of them, what was it like Nokia, Blackberry, AMC, G, like GameStop, have any of them gone to the moon? I don't think they have, have they? No, no. I mean, it's all relative, right? Like if, you, if you'd been there from day one, yes. Like, you when know. it hit 500 for that second. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, you, if you bought it at 30 and it went to 500, I think that's going to the moon. Um, but no, if you bought in at 250, I mean, look, even if you bought in at 250 and you cashed out at 500 and you doubled your investment, in the space of not that long, that's pretty impressive. You'd be happy with that on a normal, on a normal day. But now I will say, when I did pull out of GameStop, I switched to a very high-profile stock, Bitcoin. That no, that then announced that day that their CEO was stepping down. Oh, Amazon! <laughs> you you yeah. do could curse Jeff Bezos. Wow. Yep. <laughs> You I'm are in the Ilu- you're in the high echelons of like the Illuminati now. Your I mean, that's curse just pretty, is spreading. You know, Jeff Bezos has fundamentally had an unstoppable life until you got involved. Like, yep. you- <laughs> I'm not joking. I bought it, and then four hours later, I looked on the news, and it was like breaking news: Jeff Bezos is stepping down as CEO. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. I yep. just to round off our financial discussion, though, I did watch this like little documentary of I don't remember if you remember, and I think it was 2010, but the flash crash that happened where the stock market like plummeted for like a very brief period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd never like since it would have been on the news, I'd never kind of looked into it too much more. But it all had been done by well, caused by this one individual trainer trader in, in Hounslow who was just trading out of his like parents, like his bedroom in his childhood home. Very fascinating story. If anyone's listening and you with a lot of money or just manipulated yeah. in some way that no, so he was kind of a savant with numbers and he decided to get into trading. He'd gone to like some trading school and had made himself like a couple of million uh trading there and then was consistently then he'd left his firm and then was just trading in his house and was making himself between like three hundred thousand to nine hundred thousand dollars a day trading. Because he wow. just had this sixth sense for being able to read, like interpret how the market was going to turn. Um, and then he got annoyed that high frequency traders were basically like eating into his um, uh, profits. So he created his own like bot and algorithm to just fight back against the high frequency traders. And then fundamentally, one day he was on like SuperDrive with his bot or algorithm and then switched it off because he it was like seven o'clock in the UK and he just stopped trading. And that's what caused the entire stock market to just plummet. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a crazy that's story. Awesome. And then the funniest thing about it is like, he never told anyone he was making money. He never spent any of the money. And then as it turns out, he lost all of the money because he trusted some people to invest it for him and stuff. And they just stole from him. So he lost like $50 million that he made. Wow. That is a good story. No, it's really worth it's really worth looking into for anyone who finds it vaguely interesting. So, speaking of flash crashes and stock market betting, and to the moon, 
Did you guys see the news that it was 50 years ago this week that, uh, and I can't remember the astronaut's name, Dave Shepard, I think, uh, hit two golf shots on the moon. Alan Shepard. Alan Shepard, there we go. Hit two golf shots on the moon. So what was it? He said, it's a great story. Like he snuck a sixth iron attachment into a into the shuttle which i find quite impressive like he he snuck into his boot or something like that which seems it's really not, irresponsible but sam it's not that impressive to hit a golf shot in a sound studio in california <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he hit it and it, it shanked left but the flag was going right yeah actually you're onto something eddie the shadows <laughs> were all wrong yeah. like just he, he hit it so hard it knocked over the cardboard drawing that was the moon <laughs> <laughs> just the background pulls down Jeez. and over the astronaut's helmet it's just a picture of rory mcelroy <laughs> well no I mean, not then was... i mean now because <laughs> what they've say, done no, the no, no. So what theory, they've done the conspiracy theory would be even bigger not only did they not go to the moon but rory mcelroy's McElroy. golf rise yeah <laughs> no but what they've done 30 years earlier so um of, there was a little bit of like he said like he hit it i think he said he sliced the first one but the second one he said went miles and you know without gravity and things like that you could see that happening but what they've done now is using like imaging recreation and the way they can track distance Again. from orbit what they've done is they've now calculated based on like his footsteps and where the golf balls landed, how far both shots went. So my question is going to be to you two. Do you think you could do better? So the two shots went 24 and 40 yards. Now, can you hit a shot further on the moon than 40 yards? Yeah, 100%. Right. So he says it is just one big bunker strewn with like rocks and it's uneven it's completely unraked and he had a six iron well, he's an idiot so he could sneak in a six iron but he couldn't sneak in a fucking t <laughs> well also i would have just i would use my foot i would have smoothed out a little bit of the surface i wouldn't have just dropped it and then like play it where it lies i would have well, oh i thought out. you were gonna happy i thought you meant you're gonna happy gilmore us and play it off your foot <laughs> if yeah. you happy gilmore with that momentum on the moon you may fly off <laughs> like, but apparently it was like really difficult to even get the, the uh, club down to take the shot in the first place because of the lack of gravity. So apparently 40 yards is nothing short of incredible considering the suit, the gloves, everything that was happening. Apparently it's He just sounds shot. like he's full of excuses. I thought astronauts were supposed to be tough. I also want to clear something up for our listeners. There is gravity on the moon. It's just not as strong as it is on the Earth. What did you what did you think I implied that there's zero gravity? Well, you said with no gravity, with lack of gravity. Okay. So I just wanted didn't want anyone to think that your conspiracy theories. Not only are you an anti-COVID like non-believer, but you might also be. Isn't it like uh, ten times less almost? Like nine times, yeah, I think around there. There's no COVID on the moon. Oh, sorry, oh, ten times wasn't point. wasn't specific enough, Eddie. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Eddie. Eddie deals in facts. <laughs> Eddie is yeah, the Jesus. scientific. <laughs> In fairness, it's probably closer to eight, but uh, but yes. Sorry, we'll just we you know they would have they would have been fine going to the moon if they'd been like working out their calculations in in Houston and they'd been like so we we need like a 
X amount of fuel, like three X that and like two X. Oh, look at this dork over here. Like, yeah, it's, it's a little different here. <laughs> I'm just throwing off a memory how much gravity is on the moon. Well, but no, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I think I could hit more than 40 yards. Who knows, though? That is completely pure speculation. Having never been to the moon and never attempted a sport there, it's a bit hard to judge. Now, the real question, Eddie, is could you, in a studio, pretend like you're hitting a golf ball on the moon and make it go only 40 yards? That actually would be super impressive to like move your club down really quite slowly and still yeah. get it to go for you. Can imagine like you can imagine like the ball being on some string and they slowly yeah. just loft it up and then they have to wear it out the string. Yeah, the things they went through in the sixties and seventies to make us believe that space travel was possible. There was that you you've brought up the Mitchell and Webb kind of sketch, like David Mitchell's famous ones. There's another one they do about the moon landing where they're working out how much time and effort it would cost to go to the moon. And by the end of it, they're like, well, I think it would probably be cheaper just to go to the moon if we have to build a rocket capable of going to the moon. Time and effort, you mean to fake going to the moon? To fake going to the moon, yeah. Yeah. So they were like, no, I mean, look, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm like you. I just don't believe in them. You know, so part of my cult, no conspiracy theories. If you want to be in the cult, not a single conspiracy theory. Pretty much. No. I mean, my biggest thing about conspiracy theories is just the, it's so unlikely to me, unless the conspiracy could be limited to maybe five or six people. The idea that people would stay quiet uh, it's just I just can't buy it. So yeah, like let's the, look at the, uh, the that Israel um, Secret Service, not Secret Service, whatever it is, CIA. No, the, the former head of the that space came out defense. To talk yeah. about the aliens. Yeah, exactly. So now that might be the thing is maybe maybe people are coming out and telling the truth and I'm ignoring them. That might also be happening. <laughs> so I'm just like dismissing them and the guys desperately trying to tell you that like there are aliens, but like. Whenever you hear most of them, I just think, what are the chances that five out of 10,000 people don't come forward with really clear evidence that this, say, JF, the JFK assassination would have had to have involved, what, 50 people? And the idea that none of those people have ever come forward to say... Well, they, they killed them really... all. Come on, Eddie. <laughs> okay. Or like 9-11, the 9-11 conspiracy theories. That would have involved thousands of people and none of them. I mean, just the idea that they were the construction workers who went in and lay and set like detonate like detonation charges all over all over the World Trade Center, being like, why are we doing this? Oh, it's it's just <laughs> and then the, the idea that on the day of September eleventh, they didn't think, oh crap, I think I might have been involved with this one. <laughs> they didn't put two and two together. They were just like just following orders, kind of thing. Okay. Wow, nine eleven. That's a good one to segue, go into a podcast from the moon. It's a good way to segue to the Super Bowl. In fact, my nemesis, Bill Simmons, when the Who played their uh, their Super Bowl concert halftime show a few years ago, that must be roughly 10 years ago, I now think, he said that that was the greatest terrorist attack on American soil since 9-11. Bill Simmons for you. What a guy. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he's got a few really bad takes in the locker. I, I admire them. One of his other really bad ones is he once went to watch a game in Memphis and he spoke about how, I can't remember the exact wording. Anyone interested, look it up. It's incredible. I will not do it justice. But he spoke about how the crowd kind of reacted or were fearful of bad situations. And the reason because of that is because of the Martin Luther King assassination. Oh my God. And as if they're like still haunted by this. So as if like a game's going down to the wire in Memphis, and I'll be like, I hope this isn't another Martin Luther King King scenario. Because if we lose this one at the buzzer, it is just the same as a civil rights leader being assassinated. What what a guy. Go listen to that podcast. <laughs> so speaking of someone who was nearly, well, speaking of moon landing, someone who was nearly alive when we first landed on the moon, we'll be playing in this Super Bowl. It's true. He's not far off. John Madden? <laughs> no, I mean, Tom Brady. He's not that far off. Uh, he wasn't born that long after we went to the moon. He's 43, right? Wait, 43. So he's born, what, 70? He's born 78, I guess. So nine years after we went to, first went to the moon. I mean, you're talking about the 50th anniversary of the golf shot on the moon. He's only seven years younger than that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. The things, if you did one of those, like, what was the world like when Tom Brady was born versus what is the world like now? It would make you feel old and it would make him look a lot older than 43. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the comparison between Brady and Mahomes is crazy. Yeah, 25 versus 43. Yeah. I mean, being, yeah, being 18 years old when. The other one is born. Yeah, Brady's a, Brady was a full-fledged adult before Mahomes was even born. It's crazy. You know, I think Brady will probably feel 18 again when on Sunday night he lifts the Vince Lombardi trophy above his head and collects the Super Bowl MVP. It's going to be quite the night for, for an old He's gonna. He'll need some help lifting the trophy up now, though. Right. Probably, yeah. The, the arms will be a little bit tired by the end of the game, but he'll still get there. Eddie. Oh, is that it? That's your prediction? Yeah. Eddie hasn't taken any time hoisting his colors up the mast there. No, I mean, maybe or maybe not. I don't know. I'm not saying you, it is my prediction. You, you don't know? Are you still no, undecided? I know, I, oh, I know okay. what my prediction is. I'm just saying I'm not saying for sure it's the Bucks. Well, according to Madden, the simulator predicted the Chiefs winning 37 to 27. The same Madden simulation predicted the game right last year with the Chiefs winning and covering the spread, I think. Um, yeah. What, what's, histor- what's the historical record on the Madden simulation? So Madden call... Uh, I think it's it says remarkably accurate. So take that for what you <laughs> oh, want. Wow, that's, a, that's a good stat. Hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm getting it. It predicted the winner in nine of the past 12 Super Bowls. I wonder if all nine have been the favorites, yeah. if you see my point. Like, and the three were when it actually went against the grain kind of thing. I'd be curious to know the split between underdog. Yeah. And- like if you told me it predicted the Giants to beat the Patriots, I'd be like, oh, wow, this thing might work. But yeah, if it's fundamentally like this team's a seven-point favorite and Madden has also predicted it will win, it's like, oh, crazy. Yeah. But also, does it does it take the roster now? 
or does you've, it take the start of the year roster? You've you've asked this like two weeks. No, but I mean else, like yeah. injuries. I mean like I injuries know, and I, things like I that. I didn't know CTE was contagious. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like there's injuries on either team. Would they be eliminated as well? You know, we're marketing our podcast, and a lot of times we're trying to push it to like people interested in sports or people we're missing a trick here. I could have like start pumping this. When we spoke to uh, Derek Ray, he talked about being a hospital radio host. We need to start pumping our uh, podcast into like hospitals and old people's homes. So that they'll be like reassured because they get to hear everything like six or seven times. It's going to be incredible. Like right when they think of the same question, we'll be there to be like, Oh, uh, Tom Brady, he plays for the Buccaneers, right? Tom Brady, he plays for the Buccaneers. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Finally, a podcast that's my speed. Well, just repetitive. Okay. Yeah. Actually, I take this back. That article was from 2015 that said 9 LS 12. In the last five years, it's only predicted, I think, two out of the last five correct. So okay. I, ha- I, have so, the, I have the predictions in the scores. So uh, last year, it picked the Chiefs to win. The year before that, it picked the Rams but what, over the Patriots. But what scores? Oh, uh, so Chiefs 35, Niners 31. And the score was 31 to 20. It, was, it wasn't even a game last year. It was pathetic. Um, <laughs> okay, 2019, it said Rams 30, Patriots 27. The actual Ooh. score was 13 to 3, Patriots. So that was a big mistake there. Um, the year before that, it said Patriots 24, Eagles 20. We all know how that one went. Um, it said Patriots 27, Falcons 24. So it did correctly predict the Patriots winning against the Falcons. But it's, it's, not, um, it's not even remotely close on scores. Except in 2015, it said Patriots 28, Seahawks 24. And the score was Patriots 28, Seahawks 24. But <laughs> That's fundamentally, That's it's imagine you just it's, it's, stumbled upon it that year. <laughs> and we're like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do what Madden says. <laughs> it's it's not impressive though, because basically what it's done is every year it predicts a team to win by between like three and seven points. Yeah. Well, the issue with Madden, right, isn't everything the games are always high scoring, like over. Like there's no game here that they've predicted that a team didn't at least score 20 points. Yeah, but I mean, in general, right, they're just following, and and I know they're not doing this intentionally, but they're basically saying losing team scores 23 to 28 points, winning team scores 28 to 35 points. That's all they're doing every time. Yeah, so in this year's simulations, Mahomes had 430 yards, four TDs, and Brady had 330 yards, three TDs, and an interception. So should we start and see if we agree or disagree with the Madden Sim? Yeah, go for it. How are you? How are you two leaning? You want to go first? Or, you know what? Oh, aren't I in the I'll lead? Go. I'm going to go last. It's okay, done you now. Can go last. I mean, we know where you. We know how you're going, Frank. But yeah, you yeah. Can. So Sam, you're going Chiefs. Yeah, I'm leaning in Chiefs. I'm going for the Buccaneers. As the writing am I. was on the wall. Are you kidding? Not <laughs> oh, somebody's childish. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that's going to be a super pleasant noise for our listeners' ears. <laughs> You'll probably accuse me of burping again. Well, we're actually just going to take your first answer. So, <laughs> yeah, you you actually so you're you're going Chiefs. So it's on Chiefs. record. Okay. 
And spread wise, you're taking them this the official uh three. Rachel podcast spread is three and a three half. Three and a half. So what's your move on the spread? I'm still taking it. I mean, obviously I'm taking I mean I could be really tricky here, right? I could take the Bucks to win, but then I could take the Chiefs <laughs> minus three point five as my spread pick. What be and really then, tactical in the uh yeah, like the reverse threading the needle, where I know I the only way I can lose is if the needle is thread. What are the standings again? Um, we are all tied on the against the spread for the playoffs, and you are one ahead of me in money line for the playoffs, and two ahead of Sam. So Sam is out of it money line, but any one of us could win uh, against the spread. Oh, it's tough. I'll go cheese. So then I guess you two need to make some kind of score prediction so that if the Chiefs do cover the spread, there is a winner decided. But I, I'll make one, but it's obviously it's not relevant. All right, I'll write down my score now. <laughs> I almost wrote the score with the Bucks covering the spread. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> All right, I got mine. Okay, I got mine. How are we All doing right. this? You hand it up. I will. I will say it. Put it to the camera for the listeners. Frank's prediction is that's not your yeah. camera. That's not your camera. <laughs> what were you aiming at? <laughs> Frank's <laughs> prediction is Kansas City Chiefs thirty. No, um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 24. Oh, that's the look that makes me think that Sam has predicted the same score, which he has. <laughs> and if you want to get crazier, my prediction is Buccaneers 30, Chiefs 24. <laughs> so wow. we're threaded 54 points as a lock. <laughs> um, so now you need to figure out a different way to settle this. Um, how many yards? For real? Are you for real? <laughs> how many yards will Patrick Mahomes throw for? We'll have that. If the two of you pick the same yardage, there's just nothing I can do. And now I'm ready. Frank has predicted 385 yards. We have a division. Sam has predicted 310. So a, pr- a fairly big okay. gap. And I mean, I guess it's technically possible for him to split the difference, but that would be epic. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Frank is very optimistic. I'm I'm interested to see that you think he'll throw for 385 yards, but that they will score only 30 points. He threw for 462 when they played last time, and they only scored 27. How many picks did he throw? Zero. Hmm. Possible, I guess. I think, I think there's going to be a few more like sacks in this. A little bit more defensive jarring from the Bucks. So I was going to go a little bit lower than. So seeing as I'm the one who went the other way, should I give my reasoning as to why I think the Buccaneers will win this Super Bowl? Yeah, tell us why you're going to be incorrect. Pray, yeah, pray. Fundamentally, I'm, I'm going to have this one come down to a battle of pressure. And that is the Buccaneers recorded 48 sacks this season. That was fourth in the NFL. They also pressured the quarterback on 28% of plays, which was third in the NFL. Now, 
when you combine that with the fact that the Chiefs will be missing both of their starting tackles, and so their offensive line is going to be new and not used to playing against each other, I am expecting that they will be able to get pressure on a regular basis. Now, Patrick Mahomes is very good against pressure. That has to be said. But I think the fact that he won't have his regular left and right tackle means that that pressure will just get to him a little bit quicker and a little bit more frequently than he's used to. And that's going to be a real issue for the Chiefs on the offensive side of things. On the defensive side of things, I think it's the fact that the Chiefs will not be able to get any pressure on Brady that is going to be the game changer for the Fox offense. So Brady ranked as the fifth best quarterback when not under pressure in the NFL over the course of this season. And the Chiefs had the 22nd best pass rush in the NFL. So a below average pass rush. And to me, that just means this is a nice matchup for uh, the Buccaneers and their offense. And also, right, because the idea that you would have is if Brady's going to be under pressure, that he can just kind of dink and dunk his way down the field. But actually, their offense isn't built that way. It's kind of run or relatively deep pass, like medium to deep pass on almost anything. So I think this bad Chiefs secondary is a perfect matchup for them. And then when you throw in just a good Buccaneers secondary, which is looking like everyone should be healthy, I think they'll be able to slow the Chiefs down enough. And also the possibility of a decent amount of rain, which the forecast at the moment is like pretty strong forecast for thunderstorms, decent chance of rain. I think that suits the Buccaneers a little bit more in the style of play that they have. And for the Chiefs, where they're just kind of more gimmicky, more complicated pass plays, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to get that going. Question. Do you think it matters that Tampa are at home? Like actually at home, not just the home team? I guess it will only matter in the sense that the Chiefs have only been able to go while well, they're going the day before. So I guess only from the standpoint that the Buccaneers will be acclimatized and settled in. And I guess they'll be familiar with everything in their buildup right to the day of the game they will be able to prepare as if it was a normal game. So I guess that's helpful. But given the fact that the Chiefs went through the Super Bowl, the experience last year, so the vast majority of their players will have been there and done that, I don't think that will be too much of a challenge. Equally, even on the on the Buccaneers side, right, they've got a number of players who've played in previous Super Bowls. So I think there's a lot of experience there. I think the rain is an interesting factor because there's only actually really been severe rain in the Super Bowl once. And that was uh, the Bears Colts Super Bowl, which was actually that was 2005, 2000, 2005 season, I think. That's the oh, 2007. Yeah, that's the only time that there's been. That was when Prince made performed that halftime show, which is kind of iconic, where he sang "Purple Rain" and the rain's pouring down. Um, that's the only time there's been sort of a severe downpour during the course of the Super Bowl. So that would be an interesting one to throw into the mix. So should we give our reasons then why we think the Chiefs are going to win? Yeah, I mean, we don't, I don't think the listeners really need to hear them because just listeners just account for the fact that everything you're about to hear is wrong. But by all means, continue. <laughs> Says a frightened man. <laughs> so the first thing I think is. Yes, the Bucks have a decent pressure scheme. Uh, when they played them in a regular season, they put seven hits on Mahomes, which is a decent amount in a game. 
The issue is that Mahomes is the NFL's best passer under pressure. He's got a QBR of 75, which is about six times higher than Drew Locke will ever have his entire career. Um, outside the pocket, his QBR is 92. It's like you going almost after perfect. Drew Locke? Why you got I don't know. I just can't miss this the opportunity is, to go after Drew He's nowhere Locke. near this. He's nowhere near this game, and you just went straight for him. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, you need to get pressure on him, but at the same time, that could just make him that much better. And I and I also want to say that I, as much as I love Mahomes, I don't think it's just him that makes that stat look so good. I think a lot of it is when he has to improvise, his receivers, and especially Kelsey, are phenomenal at knowing that's going to happen and finding an open space and giving him a wide open target to hit. I mean, he does have crazy throws, but there's times where Kelsey kind of just runs his own route, finds a spot and Mahomes hits him. Can I just, just to interrupt quickly, I do agree with you there. And that is my concern is that even if they are getting pressure, he'll be able to escape it. The one thing I will say is even if he is getting outside of the pocket, one thing you do need from your line is to know where your quarterback is. So having familiarity with like, oh, this is the kind of pressure Mahomes is getting right now. He's going to go right or he's going to go left or he's going to step up. And you can build that kind of relationship over time. My concern would be that missing both tackles, there are going to be situations where he tries to escape and he tries to do what he normally does and they kind of aren't in sync. And so the pressure is allowed to get to him in situations where previously it wouldn't have. No, you're right. I, I, I agree. That, that is a concern for sure, especially the Fisher's replacement. Because I, I feel like the other tackle, he's been in for at least a little, a little longer, right? So, but losing Fisher, who is, you know, a, a top tackle, that's going to be a little tough. Um, and obviously, I, I'm sure they're not able to prepare as much with all the COVID restrictions. Um, so that could definitely be an issue. So the other thing I believe that you think is kind of a worry is the Chiefs defense. And I do agree regular season, their defense was shit against the bills. It looked much better and they got a ton of pressure on Josh Allen, 10 hits, four sacks. That was a pretty good effort by their D line being able to get to Allen and cause some chaos. And if they can do that to Allen, who's a quarterback that can genuinely scramble out of the pocket. If they can do that to Brady, that could be a disaster. Uh, if, if they can get 10 hits on Brady, this game won't even be close. So I think that to me is kind of the make or break is what is the chiefs defense going to do? Are they going to be the lackadaisical defense of the regular season that will just let up points or are they, the come to play let's pressure the hell out of Brady and get to him defense that you kind of see in the playoffs. I mean, even in last year's playoffs, their D line got a good amount of pressure, even though in the regular season, they weren't, they weren't as successful at it. So I think that could be the make or break there is because we know Brady has trouble when he gets under pressure. Um, you know, that's the giants love to point to that as the reason why they've beaten Brady twice in the super bowl is, you know, they're getting to Brady, they're getting to Brady. He's not very mobile, especially now at 43. So to me, that's, that's going to be where, it's either going to be a close game or the, or the bucks have that shot to win. Um, I'm betting on the chiefs defense coming to play again. So those are kind of my two biggest reasons. And it's both the defensive line, you know, on both sides. For me, they're both here on pretty, 
pretty good merit, right? Um, you know, no one's going to deny that both these teams probably deserve to be here at the moment. I think look, the Bucks have a really good pass rush. They can score quickly as well, and they're pretty explosive when it comes to it. And the Chiefs are just the Chiefs. Like, they have this incredible ability to annoy punters by never covering spreads, uh, but simultaneously just knowing how to win games. For context, and, just so for our non-British listeners, by punters you mean betters and not yes. actually like NFL punters who are, tre- <laughs> who are tremendously frustrated by the fact that the Chiefs don't cover spreads. <laughs> Yes, language differences aside. Um, gamblers, punters, betters. Uh, they, the Chiefs frustrate. And look, usually it's close with the Chiefs. Sometimes it's a bit ugly with the Chiefs. But they just have this ability to win and kind of erase issues in their game as they win as well. Like look at the Super Bowl last season, right? For three and a half quarters, they weren't really in it. They were completely outplayed by the 49ers then they just turn up for that little bit, erase what happened beforehand and win the game. And I just feel like they do that. And when it comes to the Super Bowl, they're two really good teams. And a lot of this is just on the feeling going into the game. And I just look at it and I just think, right, the Chiefs, they're going to pass a lot. The Bucks are probably going to get to Mahomes a fair bit. And when it comes down to it, who would I want? And I just think, when it comes to like Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey, there isn't a three that I would want more right now than those three in that team playing well as well, because that's what the Chiefs are doing at the moment. And for that reason, I'm just going more on gut here when it comes to the Super Bowl. And I just think the Chiefs did it last year. They'll know what to do and they'll do it again. Now, I will say one of the things that would be great would be to see as much as I don't want a close game, because obviously I want my prediction to be right. It would be fun to see a close game where one or maybe even both have to come back at the very end to, to win, you know, to be able to see Brady maybe down two, puts a drive together to score, to go up. And then Mahomes gets the ball with like 30 seconds left and does the same thing to win it. You know, I, I think it would be neat to see basically one of the greatest of all time at comebacks versus one of the up and coming, you know, could be the potential next greatest quarterback of all time to kind of both have their chance to win the game at the end and see who actually does it. That would be really neat. I agree with you. Yeah. Now I, one question that popped up into my mind, right? Cause over the course of the build up to this super bowl, people have been talking about how incredible it is that Tom Brady has made 10 super bowls. Undoubtedly it is. Then people said it, it's one of those stats that will never be broken. Like, what do you think the odds are that, and I don't have them, I'm just speculating, the odds are that Mahomes makes 10 Super Bowls over the course of his career? I mean, this is number two and he's 25 years old. He is the youngest quarterback in history to have started two Super Bowls. I mean, assuming obviously everything goes to plan and he starts on Sunday. But uh, I mean, so he needs, he's going to play till what? He's going to play till he's 40, you'd guess. So he's got 15 more years and he would need eight more Super Bowl appearances. One every it. other, one every other time, right? And if he played to Brady's time, you know, it's it's one every two. Yeah, I, and he's already got three AFC championships, right? So he's, he's already, already got three to, AFC yeah. championships, two Super Bowls, and made three it years. to three, <laughs> made it to three AFC championships. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah. And, and I guess the other thing to factor in too, right, is the Chiefs are built at the moment to be kind of like a, a dynasty. So you'd have to say the current version of the Chiefs, what's the over-under on the number of Super Bowls they make over the next six years? You'd have to set it at three, realistically. So then you're talking about him having five appearances by the age of 30, say. So then it's, I mean, when you do start to break the numbers down, then you're like, well, now you need five Super Bowl appearances from 30 to 40. It starts to become harder when you do start looking at it that way. But it is just interesting to me that people do talk about this as if there's no way this record will ever be broken, but he's playing against a player who has a chance of breaking it. So say Mahomes wins this one, it's two. And then like Eddie says, you know, next three, four, five years, say a couple more wins. Like even coming down on the, the actual number of rings, I, I think might be easier in a weird way than the number of appearances. I think the reverse. I think winning six out of nine Super Bowls is kind of crazy. To me, that is the more impressive stat. And if he makes it seven out of 10, if you're saying Brady wins 70% of the Super Bowls that he's appeared in and he's been in 10, like that's crazy. Seven to me would be unbreakable for a quarterback to, to win. Whereas the 10 appearances, I could see you more because I could see a team making Super Bowl five times in seven years and losing a couple of them, but I could see them actually just making it there. Whereas having a really high win percentage against what should be the second best or best team in the NFL, that seems difficult. I mean, it's going to, it'll be really tough to do odds on, right? There's so many factors that just ruin. Like if Mahomes has a career-ending injury, you'd be you'd be so gutted about the whole thing. But or wow, or if he just quick, <laughs> or if yeah. he just doesn't Andrew Luck right and just although speculation that Andrew Luck is coming yes. back, I did see that. Like Talk how is... how how would that work? So did he he actually retired? Like because I heard that there was some sort was there potentially something to do with the Colts that when he left there was some sort of like if you do come back. It would the, be the Colts didn't make him repay the $25 million, which I think they could have made him repay. Jim Irsay, the owner, told him he could keep it. Uh, I mean, I assume because he was under contract, like the, he would be, they'd kind of have the first right of refusal. They could either release him from his contract or he is back as a Colts player. He can't just unretire and sign, similar to what happened to Gronkowski, right? He unretired and then they had to trade him to Tampa Bay. He couldn't just unretire and then become a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Now, did you have any little props that stood out? Because I'll give a couple that aren't crazy that stood out to me that I liked a lot. And my first was that Patrick Mahomes will throw an interception in this game. Now, he hasn't had a lot of turnovers over the course of this year, but he, of course, did throw interceptions in the Super Bowl last year. And he is up against one of the best defenses he's played. And he is seven to five to throw an interception. I just think it's crazy to have a guy at like that significantly higher than even odds. I think it's good value there. Yeah, it's actually not bad. Also considering the fact that he's not afraid to throw the ball. You know what I mean? Like he, he'll try and fit one in there and maybe get caught doing it. So I, yeah, yeah I, that's actually not too bad. The nice thing about that one too is, right, you're basically in with a chance right up till the end of the game. Like you've got uh, you've got hope on that one, assuming it's not a blowout, because that might also, then you might start to lose a little bit of hope. 
um, towards the end. But if it's a kind of close game, you'd feel like you've got the decent chance basically up until the final drive. So you're at least getting you're buying interest for the the entire course of the match. Especially if you're on the box, right? It almost becomes like a fulfiller that if that happens, there's somehow a better outcome for the bucks in that respect as well i guess but you could also say in a way not a bad hedge if you think the chiefs will win you could kind of hedge with Brady, with mahomes to throw an interception thinking that if the if the chiefs are going to lose the only way they're going to lose is going to so for example i think that the buccaneers have scored i think it's 46 percent of their points this season off turnovers some crazy stat or 44 percent, something like that so fundamentally if you think that the chiefs are going to win a nice way to hedge it might be with Mahomes to throw an interception and in an ideal world you get last year's super bowl where Mahomes throws an interception the chiefs win and the chiefs cover and all of your bets have won but you might feel like you're kind of giving yourself a little bit of cover with that one yeah i had i had two bets i like um so You'll remember I did this for the Browns, but I actually think Bucks halftime, Chiefs full time isn't the worst bet just because of what I mentioned about sometimes the Chiefs start ugly, start slow. Um, I think the Bucks will come out of the gate and I could see the Bucks being ahead and the Chiefs just doing exactly what they did against the 49ers, really, just knowing how to win and coming back close near the end or kind of assuring it up near the end. So that paced six to one. And I didn't think that was that bad a return for a Bucks halftime, full, Chiefs full-time. No, you're right there. And now I will say one thing. I like to throw all of my predictions out for this game if they have an officiating crew that's similar to last year's Super Bowl. And if it turns out that it's impossible for the Chiefs to hold anyone, then the Chiefs are going to win this one pretty easily. Oh my God, here we go. <laughs> But you know, if there's the gonna... first female officiating, there this is game, the first so. yes, first female official as part of this game. And did you know that Andy Gray and Richard Keys are actually commentating on the game now as well? <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, no. So look, if there's going to be no holds, Chiefs win easily. But if they're going to actually call a decent game and there's going to be a holding call at some point. Oh then... my God. You sound like a Trump supporter, like the election's rigged. So it's rigged. So it's all terrible. <laughs> like you're just giving yourself an out there. Like there were holds. Therefore this happened. No, the way this would sound like a Trump supporter is if you told me Biden had won all 50 States. And if a rational Trump supporter had turned around and gone like, look, I'm not saying there was election fraud, but it's pretty crazy that Biden won all 50 states. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying, hey, these referees were crooked. I'm not saying anything. What I'm really saying is there's not a single hold call over the course of the entire game against the Chiefs. That's kind of crazy. Well, Eddie, then you'll like this bet. Who will be the first team penalized for holding? <laughs> Oh, it's the Buccaneers. It's a gimme. The Bucks are minus one ten. Sorry, I don't have I have the American odds. And Chiefs are minus one thirty. So the so the Bucks oh, are favored so to hold so first. It's like, it's like ten to eleven, eight to eleven, then fractional. Yeah. Yeah. So. so one I liked was over under on players to have a pass attempt. And over two and a half players is six to five. 
which has which that has won a lot of a lot in a lot of Super Bowls in recent history, right? So just someone has to throw besides well, actually two things. Either someone else on the field besides Brady or Mahomes, or one of them gets hurt and a backup comes in. Yeah. Yeah, and that that has one, right? Like the Philly special, you would have won that. That actually would have won twice in that game too, right? Because Edelman threw to Brady in that same game. Yep. So actually four players attempted a pass in that game. But there have been a number of Super Bowls where there have been trick plays and stuff run. So yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, I think for being over like over even on a bet to just have anyone else throw a pass is pretty good. Especially because I feel like the Chiefs like to pull out some trick plays and they might do something like that. Like even Kelsey has been known to throw the ball. Speaking of Kelsey, actually, that's another bet that I like. Um so Kelsey, anytime. Uh, I think <laughs> I bet you like that, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> how much would you pay for that, Sam? Don't give us the odds. We know the odds are slim to none, but like how much? Tell me how much you're putting pay? on it. I'm not rising to it. It's not happening. I'll just keep talking and pretend you two just don't exist. On this I would have loved it. I would have loved it if like you'd snuck onto his dating show. So he just had like a series of dates with women, and then and now Samuel Jones. <laughs> oh, I picked I picked him anytime. <laughs> I'm just going officially on record here. I will take Kelsey anytime. I did. I didn't say it that suggestively. Maybe I should have. Maybe maybe that's the odds. So yeah, Kelsey anytime touchdown scorer and the Chiefs to win by one to six. Now sounds a bit strange considering I picked thirty to twenty four, which is by six, but it's right bang in the where the spread is, and I think it will be that close. And it's what's, six to one. What's Kelsey's odds? What to score anytime? Yeah, uh, I don't know actually the anytime, but I'm imagining it's probably around eight to eleven, maybe. Probably, probably less. Probably like one to two. Give me a second, and I will tell you. Travis Kelsey to score anytime is eight to thirteen. So yeah, I'm pretty sure when you look at looks for his whole season, I think he's only had about six games where he hasn't. So uh, there was another really interesting bet as well. Like Kelsey two or over was three to one, I think which I thought was a pretty high stack considering he scored two last out against the Bills. So I thought that was a pretty impressive bet as well. Now here's one I would like your opinion on. Mahomes anytime scorer is I think three to one. Did I see that right? Not even. A little less than a little less than three to one. But my question is do you think there? Do you think if they get like the two yard line, given what had happened to him, that they're going to call a play for him to take it in? Probably not. Yeah, so I think it's not as good of a bet as it normally would be, just because I think they're going to be a little cautious. That's because it's nine to one to be first time scorer, which hit last year. Didn't didn't we say that it was going to be cautious against the Bills though? And it kind of wasn't. Kind of. He didn't run at all. Of, they didn't call one run play. Uh, he had one. He still one scuttled about 58 well, he, yards. Yeah, he had in one. That game. Um, but I, were any like called runs, though? I think one of them was. 
one of them it was definitely like an rpo well, they use the rpo a lot as well which obviously helps with the Mahomes choice i guess in that respect so i don't think it's a bad bet i think it's a pretty good price actually i like tom brady anytime go touchdown score at four to one that's a fun one because you know with brady if they're if they're inside like the two you know he that he's it. giving he's giving himself one because he wants to do the pumped up like yelling. He wants to smash his helmet against a few of his teammates, and then he wants to just be walking off screaming and like looking angrily towards the Chiefs. So you know for sure he wants it. And asking and asking the official for a high five. Yeah. So that's that's a fun one. And hey, you can get Tom Brady first touchdown score twenty eight to one. Get Tom Brady. Anytime, first time, 28 to 1. <laughs> Sam's hoping it's Tom Brady's first time anytime with him. Yeah, I'm looking at a different kind of odds. Give him 500 to 1. You can just smother yourself in avocado ice cream. It sounds gross, just the whole thing. The whole concept it sounds disgusting. So what do you think is the total touchdowns? Like, what do you think the overall... Well, we, I mean, we numbers. all predicted thirty to twenty-four. So fund them. So we've all predicted there being. Well, I've I mean, predicted 20, ten field goals for the Chiefs. Tw- so, yeah. So, we, <laughs> so twenty-four. You're predicting uh, what? Three touchdowns for the Buccaneers and, three a, and field a field goal. Yeah. And then for the Chiefs, you're probably predicting uh, four touchdowns and two field goals. So you're saying our predictions all basically are seven. Over six so and six and a half, and a half is the, the split. Six yeah, and a half so. over is uh, about eight to eleven. Oof. Yeah, I mean, it's fair because it's on par, right? All three of us have picked it, so it's probably par. For an the interesting course, one for me. Eight to eleven. An interesting one for me, which is going to touch on one of Frank's most hated topics: time of possession. The Chiefs are fairly heavy favorites they're eight to 13 so you can get the buccaneers at six to five now again if you like the buccaneers to win in any way or i think even really if you think it's going to be a close game you're you've got to be leaning towards the buccaneers having the ball for longer just because the nature of their offense is either medium to deep throws but a lot of running and it's fair to expect that the chiefs might revert to an offense more similar to what we saw from them early in the season, which was a lot more running just because of the fact that the tackles will be out. But still, you just, you got to think that if it's going to be close, the Bucs are going to edge time of possession. All right. I want your opinion. What about the more novelty side of things? So we've got the color of the Gatorade, I think is one. The length of the national anthem is another. What else is there? I guess that's heads and tails or landing on its side. Yeah, yeah. The heads and tails one has never really interested me. I have to like I like a lot of the uh the like uh, props surrounding the Super Bowl, the heads and tails one. But you did touch on um the color of the Gatorade. Hmm. Now orange and blue are vying for favoritism in the odds. Uh, orange and red, sorry, are vying for favoritism at the moment. Now over the past few years, two of the last three years, there's been no Gatorade dump. <laughs> now, the Chiefs did do it last year, but the two previous years, there was none. So 
interesting one in COVID protocol times, will it even be allowed to dump the Gatorade or will that be considered some kind of extra risk? Oh no, you just pour the vaccine on them this time. It's a vaccine dump. <laughs> or just pure virus. <laughs> the other way on the losers. <laughs> pure COVID. But to go back historically then, you had purple last year, none the year before that, none the year before that, yellow, orange, blue, blue, orange, orange. Can you Actually, back I've none? Gone in, I've gone in reverse. No, no, that's the right order. Can you, Can back, you back none um, as an option? I don't think that you can. I've just gone to type in to find the odds, like Gatorade color, Super Bowl odds. And when I typed in Gatorade color, the suggested next word from Google was diarrhea. (laughs) (laughs) What a drink. So what about the national anthem? I know that's close to your heart when you belt it out, how long it takes you, Eddie. But how long do you think it's... um... I think I saw the over-under at about a minute 55. What's I saw your... a minute 59 is what I'm Ooh. saying. Which is on the high end of the over-unders traditionally. So uh, I, I can give you a little background because this is, I love this bet. I've wanted the last like four or five years. I'm going with the over. And here's my reasoning. It's a duet. And you have Eric Church who will likely have his guitar and he might try and throw a little guitar solo in the middle. And guitar just the fact- solo. A guitar <laughs> solo in the middle of the anthem, what? Yep. What is yep. it, Jimmy I think Hendrix. he's gonna try and, <laughs> yep. I think he's gonna try and do a little with the guitar, slow it down a little bit, throw in maybe some of his own notes. And just the fact it's a duet, I think is gonna bring it over two minutes. So the last duet was in the 2006 Super Bowl, and that lasted for two minutes, eight seconds. The only issue, is that the woman, Jasmine Sullivan, who sings it, her national anthems went a minute 38 and a minute 45 on her own. So there's the risk that if they just go with hers, that it's super quick. But I think the fact it's a duet is going to push it over. You know, the, the possibility of a guitar being involved would push me to the under, just because it's kind of hard to hold notes. Like if it's only the guitar playing with them, it's kind of hard to hold notes and then keep any kind of consistency with the guitar being played at the same time. And so that would make me lean heavily towards the under. Mm. What if he throws a solo in? I love how commercialized the anthem is for you (laughs) at this moment. I mean, I hope he throws like a five minute solo into the middle. (laughs) And he's just on like a platform that just goes up into the air as he does this wicked guitar solo. (laughs) I'm also. What if he does mind, like I'm God bless him. America inside the national anthem? <laughs> I'm imagining him playing an acoustic guitar. He is. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh no! I'm hoping for like full-on electric guitar. Yeah, I. I'm, I would. I would lean towards the under. Now, in the case it wasn't obvious, by the way. In case it wasn't obvious, by the way, I don't know who Eric Church is. Well, the, the other big controversy is um, what counts. So some places say it's from like the first word until it ends, like the last note. Because of the issue that happened, what was it two years ago when they did Brave twice? And yeah. so from now on, at least 
Bovada and a few others say it's from the first word until they say the word brave for the first time. That's it. That's the length. Because the other complicated two thing actually is the guitar. Like if the guitar starts playing before they start singing, is that the start of the anthem? Or does the anthem only start nah, with words? First it's word. When, yeah. So that's interesting. You might get screwed. He might throw the guitar solo in before. The oh, anthem. you're right. He probably is going to do that. I might have to rethink this. What's it been the last three years? Under? It's uh, been it's over yeah. a decent amount. Now, right, speaking, so now of performance, speaking of performances, though, before we finish off with the prop bets, did you see the cost of the weekend's halftime show? What, as in, like, how much it costs to put on, like, production? Yeah, because the, the thing with the Super Bowl halftime show is the artist pays for it themselves. You do not get paid to perform at the Super Bowl halftime show. Like, everything associated with the cost, you cover. Because the idea is, basically, if you perform at the Super Bowl halftime show you automatically go number one, basically. And then just the boost in concert sales, although not at the moment. <laughs> like, unless <laughs> <laughs> those tickets are going to be hard to sell right now. But those, but yeah, his, his Super Bowl halftime performance will cost him $7 million. Wow. He's releasing like a greatest hits album alongside there. So yeah, I guess it makes sense, doesn't it? Pretty early for a greatest hits, isn't it? You can do like seven greatest hits now. <laughs> We're releasing Maybe. a greatest hits of the podcast like at the end of this season. <laughs> it's going to be 10 seconds. <laughs> it's just you saying big chillions at the start constantly. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll clip in all of the predictions we got right. Except Frank's where they're just all wrong or they're Duke of Curses. We could just like have a montage of Duke of Curses over the course of half a year. So we've got a good amount of evidence to support Duke of Curses. Yeah, when Tiger Jeff rolling. Bezos will never step down. <laughs> <laughs> when Tiger Roll wins the Grand National, that's going to be the big one. Duke of Curse the entire field. So I've got some useless trivia. Just kind of about like random facts. The other aspect that we haven't covered yet is obviously the Super Bowl commercials. I don't know if you saw, but Budweiser is not having a commercial this year in the Super Bowl, the first time in 27 years. That got me thinking, what was the most expensive ad from last year? Do you guys wanna take a guess at what it was or what the price was? Well, I can't really remember that many of last year's Super Bowl commercials. I'm pretty sure I was just drinking beer and not looking at the screen. Um, well, we wouldn't have been able to see it anyway because of how we, we didn't see them it. live. No, because we don't no. we don't get them in Europe. Um, so there's that. But I did see I did watch some of them afterwards. But in terms of cost, Pepsi is usually a famous one, isn't it? Well, I think Pepsi? this year, I think this year it's 2.6 million for 30 seconds, I think. So then the most expensive ad last year, this is the cost of airing it, right? Or the cost of production. Cost of airing it. Then I'm going to say. It was, it's 5.5 this year for a 30 second uh, ad. Oh, damn it. 
I, the reason I was going to say higher is because I think a, about three or four years ago, it was like 4.5. So it actually sounds like it's dropped recently. So I was going to say something. No, I was wrong. But... So um, No, no, but I, I'm asking what was the most expensive one no, last year? Because so that's I'm, just for 30 seconds. I'm going to say the most expensive one was $14 million. Pretty close. 16.8. What was it like a movie that was tied by Google and Amazon Alexa? So Google did a Google Assistant one, and Amazon did an Amazon Alexa, and they were both the same. Sixteen point eight million. They sound incredibly dull. Like, how were they? Were they any good? Uh, the the I remember the Alexa one was it was like life before Amazon Alexa or something like that. That must have been nice to picture a world before big tech was listening to your every move. (laughs) (laughs) I was just kind of thinking like that, like what a self-loving advert that is. Like, look how good we are before we mass data collected everything and listened into everything you're doing. Wow. I mean, look, you're not a tech company unless you pat yourselves on the back constantly for how much you're contributing to the future of the world. I mean, look at Steve Jobs. He kind of pioneered that concept turning himself into a an idol to be worshipped. Yeah, you're right there, actually. There is this kind of martyrdom in big tech. Like with Tim Cook as well, you get that, don't you? It's like, look how look how. Do you, do you, how do you think Steve Jobs gave himself the cancer just to, just to <laughs> lock oh, in God. the martyr status? I knew it was coming. I was just waiting for this cancer moment when Jobs came in. So the other interesting one we can get into is the foods. So do you want to take a guess at how many chicken wings will be eaten during think, the Super Bowl? I think I remember this from last year. Isn't it something like 1.2 billion was last year or something like that? So I feel like it's probably going to be higher because of COVID. So people <laughs> are going to buy in. I think it's going to be like 1.5. Chicken wings, though, not of COVID-friendly food. Like, if you have any concerns about spreading uh, the virus, like chicken wing is not a not really adhering to protocols because you're going to share them. You're going to dip unless them. Unless you in buy your s- own. <laughs> yeah, unless you go and just everyone's going their own platters. But yeah, yeah if, you, if it is a communal food, it's a pretty bad one in t- from that respect. Fingers getting everywhere, sauce spreading all over the place, people licking the sauce off their fingers and then touching another wing. Disgusting. So. So this is from last year, but it was 1.4 billion. So Sam was on with that one. How many pounds of guacamole will be downed? Down. One kilo. What is, one, this? is this a competition? <laughs> one kilo <laughs> equals 2.2. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with trying to guess. I mean, I'll say the average, so while there's 350 million Americans, I'll say that the average American in the Super Bowl consumes, I'll go 100 grams. I'll go 50 million pounds. 50 million pounds of guacamole. (laughs) I don't know. You can't ask me to guacamole. I can, I can imagine, <laughs> Frank. I can imagine like this pig trough in front of people, <laughs> like guacamole. 
<laughs> all those bags, all it's those like mules that have that's like bags of feed attached to them. <laughs> Look, if I assume that. Sorry, Eddie, you are a little off. It is 48 million. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How much is it? It's 8 I mean, million. that's insanely low. If I assume 300. You think- you call bluff on that? Yes. I think that's how, that's how much that's, guac could you down, Eddie? Like this is downing guacamole now. It is fatty. Um, I mean, I've never really thought about that. I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not just spooning it into my mouth, right? Like I can, I can like eat it with chips or something. No, this yeah, is just, downing just spooning Frank's, it into my mouth. Frank's question was how much guacamole is downed. So I want to know <laughs> on your own how much could you spoon into your mouth? Not that in, much. In I mean, am, am I going for like a prize? Like, is there something at stake here? Like, I have a real incentive to try and push myself, or is it just when, like at which point are you uncomfortable? When it, yeah, I was going to say when it stops looking hilarious is when I'll give you a prize. Because <laughs> honestly, if it's just when I would lose interest or when it would get uncomfortable, it would be like a cereal bowl of guacamole. I think I could do. I wouldn't enjoy it though. I like guacamole a lot, but the idea of just spooning it into my mouth does not sound super pleasant. I could eat a cereal bowl with Which chips. Which is Oh, with chips I could eat a much bigger bowl. Yeah, for sure. But just spooning it, which is weird because I really like avocados and I like guacamole, you'd think that I could just <laughs> eat quite a lot of it, but it's too no. much of a good thing. Yeah. But with chips, I think I could eat multiple cereal bowls over the course of the Super Bowl. If that was the only thing I was snacking on and I was like somehow thinking of it as a challenge, I think I could go through like three or four cereal bowls of guac. That's you, you're downing it. You're part of the 8 million pounds. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, that's over the course of four hours. So a cereal bowl and an hour of guacamole. <laughs> Actually, when what you put I- it like that, it sounds worse. <laughs> no with a, just a bunch of chips if they were good chips yeah I mean, I, be expensive super bowl though guacamole does not come cheap you'd also look really strange if you went to like someone's house or like a party and you just came with a cereal bowl and they were like why have you got that it's like don't worry about it <laughs> just you i think you'd look str- i think you'd look strange trying to sh- like keep the guacamole for yourself that would be the issue it would be like fending people off as they tried to dip into your bowl, so yeah. to speak. Or you look even weirder because you turn up at someone's house before you've made it and you turn up with like 300 avocados. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more in the food and alcohol is how much do you think is spent on beer and cider on Super Bowl Sunday? Dollars. Wait, cider can't be a big thing, can it? But, no, but I think they're just trying to be friendly and include it. Um, I would say $400 million. Is this like a, so this is at bars, but also like yeah. buying them at liquor stores and things mm-hmm. like that. Okay. I'm going to go with like a billion. 1.3 billion. It's a hefty amount spent on beer and cider. Plenty of <laughs> alcoholics, not many guacamoles. Who has the most Twitter followers out of anyone playing? Kelsey. 
No. Antonio Brown. <laughs> no. <laughs> Gronk. No, that's what that's what I guessed. Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes. I mean, so the obvious one. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I would have thought Gronk, just because of you know his shenanigans. Now this is a number I thought was low. How much money will legally be wagered on Super Bowl? This is in the United States. Yeah, and this is their estimate. I think their estimate is very off. I like how they're somehow like saying, oh, we don't count illegal betting. Like, how would they know? <laughs> I'll guess $200 million. Oh, I'd say way more. I'd, I'd probably go like 800 million, 850, something so like they're that. They're saying 300 million is their estimate. I feel like that's really low, no? I mean, there's got to be people who are going to put million on it themselves. Yeah, I mean, I guess the issue is legally, right? So, and then, I mean, most people are betting like five bucks, 10 bucks. Like, it's not as if the average person putting on a bet is throwing on, you know, a thousand dollars. That is true. As we see when we go to Ascot and we watch people put on like 50p bets and it kind of blows your mind, but that is what most people are doing. And that is one of you want to punch them in the face. <laughs> that is one of the most, that is one of the more depressing things when someone, cause you know how they do like two pound each way minimum or something like that. And they get turned away because their bet is too low. That's a little bit of a sad look at Royal Ascot for sure. <laughs> or more when you watch someone celebrate because this horse is just won at like 20 to one and they like wave their ticket in the air and celebrate and then they go and collect like four pounds 50. <laughs> it's just like, wow. And not to discourage, I mean, that's sensible betting. So like more power to them. It's no, just Eddie, uh, discourage sensible betting. <laughs> there is no I just, such thing. I just don't, to me, the, the, the issue with betting 50p would just be more like, what is the honest point? Like, if I win, I'm not winning anything significant enough to care. And if I lose, I'm, I'm just I'm losing, losing just like an insignificant sum of money too. You know, like, it doesn't count unless you either bankrupt yourself or buy a house with the winnings. Yeah, I was going to say, Frank, when I used to work in a bookies, Eddie used to come in and just shout at anyone that bet below 50 pounds. He's like, why? <laughs> why are you doing this? This is not true. I used to sit there and bless quietly. his soul because he probably would have gotten shanked <laughs> if he yelled at some of those people. One in particular, I think, would have been annoyed with me. The Scottish guy who used to come in, who used to bet on Ryan. Like, he used to just bet on everything. I still remember. It's not funny, but one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed was. It's not funny, but one of the funniest things I've ever witnessed. <laughs> Over the course of about 90 minutes, he bet on every Greyhound race in like a particular finishing order. And he just did it like over every race and lost every race. And then he gave up and the next race 
came in in the order that he had been betting every race in. And I've never seen someone just get angrier. And I could understand why it would frustrate me greatly. But for for a bet that there was no rhyme or reason behind the order he was picking, you're just random numbers at that stage. Uh, it was it oh was kind of funny to watch. He used to do, the guy used to do like 50p bets to win like 100 quid. And so fair enough. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay well if you hit it, say, twice. But yeah, he used to get really frustrated. He used to scream second in a Scottish accent as well, which is always incredible. Like, second, <laughs> fuck's sake. <laughs> Met a lot of interesting people back then. In that so what are your, Frank, what are your food plans for Super Bowl Sunday? Or Big yeah, Game I- Sunday, if we want to call it that. I'm not sure. So what we used to do here, since I've been here, every year we would go to this barbecue place. And the really nice part is it's this huge open restaurant and tons of TVs. And the first year we went, there was maybe a dozen tables watching the game. And then the next year, there was maybe like five or six. Like we got there super early thinking like, cause it's a really nice spot. It's got like a ton of TVs. It's, it's open. We're like, oh, we got to get there early. So we got there. We're like, is it, can we get a, a spot for the, for the game? And the guy's like, yeah, actually you're the first ones. He's like, if you want our private room is open. It's got like a huge, like HD projection TV. We can set you up in there. Just you guys. <laughs> We're like, oh yeah, of course. Let's do that. So we had like this, it's so weird because it's this huge room and it was one round table in the middle of the room that was like really awkwardly placed with this huge HD projection. So we used to do that. And we went back to next year and he gave us the same room with like two other groups of people. So it was really nice. Um, but now we obviously don't want to go do that. So I don't know. We might just barbecue here, I'm thinking maybe, or maybe just order some food. I'm not a big pizza on Super Bowl guy. I know that's like another big ordering thing that people love to do. I think it's like the number one ordered food is pizza. Like pizza sales go up 150% or something. The way you're saying order is blowing my mind. Order. <laughs> what? Say it again. Order. I'm not going to order something. Order pizza. I, I, yeah, there is no, no, there is something odd about it. Otter, otter. You're, you're almost <laughs> saying otter. I'm not saying otter in a way. <laughs> yeah, Actually, you, it's a mix. It's a mix between otter and udder. You're like otter. <laughs> I'm not going to order that. Say, say, udder. Udder or utter, like the udders <laughs> of a cow, or it's yeah. utter ridiculous. Say I'd like I I need you to utter your order of utters. I need you to utter your orders of utters. Utters. <laughs> there we go. New tongue twister for everyone. Yeah, and pizza's never been one of my go-to on the Super Bowl, but we'll see. Vasilis, who is coming over to my house to watch the Super Bowl, has fallen in love with these chicken wings that he buys from the supermarket. And he is very passionate. That's a great, talk. that's just a, can I just stop you there and just say that's a fantastic sentence. It's almost like the start of Vass's autobiography. Yeah. And so he's very <laughs> passionately told me that we could buy tons and tons of these supermarket chicken wings and have those, which keep in mind that he works for a Michelin starred restaurant and could bring like 
which he has done for previous Super Bowls, brought really nice food, which I understand he gets bored of because it's like stuff he eats every day or just like Greek stuff that to us is nice to have is mix it up. But that for him is just kind of like standard run of the mill things. Um, but I told him, I was like, if it's a choice between you bringing really nice food from your restaurant or some supermarket chicken wings, I'm going to vote for the really nice food, please. And Sam, I guess your plans of going to visit Eddie in Paris for the Super Bowl are long gone. Actually, weirdly enough, I would have been... <laughs> you're, at... you're on your way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is just a cardboard background on a Eurostar at the moment, <laughs> just to keep continuity. I would have been at the Big Chill tomorrow on my way to Paris. Oh, man. Uh, That's disappointing. Kind of sucks. But no, I'm actually staying at a friend's uh for the super bowl our friend jake yeah who was on the podcast you can say it <laughs> no, <I can't. laughs> he's known to all of the listeners <laughs> so yeah i'm going to be watching the super bowl there so i don't know what we've got planned food wise but um i'd say there's a good chance good. of some spaghetti that might feature <laughs> prawns garlic bread and salad spaghetti straight out of the bowl a little bit of garlic bread on the side but yeah, now I just to follow tradition, I have to say, um, Sam and I, the first when we lived together, the first Super Bowl bet that I encouraged him to put on was a first touchdown score bet, which I got everyone who was betting in the house to put the same bet on, which is we all bet on Pierre Garcon to have the first yes. touchdown in the Colts Saints Super Bowl, which happened. And ever since then, I've always stuck to the tradition of the first touchdown score. So I'm going to throw out my first touchdown score uh, tip, which this year will be Ronald Jones, the second who is 14 to one to score the first touchdown. That's because his brother, Ronald Jones, the third is the starting running back. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? It would have been a great joke if you messed that up. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and also very confusing naming sequence there. But, but um, uh, yeah, no, the so that's my tip. I will say it's hit with a decent frequency. The most heartbreaking one of all was the Colts Bears Super Bowl where I went to into a betting shop with a mutual friend that Sam and I had, a guy called Dan, and he was asking for tips. And we looked at the prospect of Devin Hester scoring the first touchdown. And then I looked at the odds of Devin Hester returning the opening kickoff for a touchdown. And they were giving odds of a thousand to one. And I was like, oh, I guess you could just stuck a couple pounds on it. And then we're like, no, it's such a stupid bet. Like it never happens. And then watched Devin Hester return the opening kickoff for a touchdown and kind of wanted to leave the bar we were in right there. And then like, as far as I was concerned, the Super Bowl had ended within like nine seconds. Yeah. The most disappointing Super Bowl I ever had bet I ever had was Colin Kaepernick to win MVP. I should have known that was a mistake. Most depressing Super Bowl for me was that opening safety within what like seven seconds 
for the uh, Seahawks against the Broncos. It just yeah. it just set the tone. That entire game was just one depressing outlook. Mainly because one of our mutual friends, Ollie, was just so cheerful throughout it. It just made me and he more had a great he upset. had a great day. He'd gone heavily on the Seahawks. He also had he he went heavily on Marshall and Lynch first touchdown scorer with that hit too. Um, so like he just had a great day. Like everything he bet won, and he was very difficult to stand around as he just got more and more excited celebrating each time he won one of them versus the rest of us who were mostly unhappy with how things were going. In fairness, he's always difficult to be around, right? <laughs> he had his little seahawks hat on as well which made it even more unbearable <laughs> which is a great thing to imagine right like he can hang out with vasilis now ollie can be wearing his seahawks hat and vasilis can be wearing his seahawk his seahawks hoodie they can just be like they can form a nice uh, seahawks overseas fan club all right well wherever you're watching the super bowl enjoy it i guess have you uh you boys got anything to add or any final parting words on Super Bowl LV, I think it is? Is it worth no. taking the Chiefs or just taking Mahomes to win MVP? The quarterback MVP is kind of the better move, right? But, I mean, you got to start thinking who else, who else in the Chiefs could possibly be MVP if they were to win. So it's hard to imagine a defensive player on the Chiefs getting MVP. Like they'd have to do something. Like how many interceptions does a guy have to have before it becomes the MVP? Three? At least at least two touchdowns, almost. I would say at, I think maybe a touchdown and like a pick six and another interception. If you would time them at crucial moments in the game and everything else in the game you'd done well might get you in the discussion. But yeah, I think you need to hit the three interceptions, probably with one of those being a pick six before it becomes like a serious threat. And then for everything else, like there's no situation where you can really see like a chiefs running back, just dominating the game. And then like, how good does Travis Kelsey or like Tyreek Hill have to be where their performance, I guess here's the question is, so when the bucks played the chiefs earlier in the season, and Tyreek Hill had like 250 receiving yards in a quarter and a half or whatever it is before he stopped. Would that have won him the MVP? Or does the Mahomes having 462 and three TDs still get it to him? Yeah. It's tough. Like legitimately from a receiver standpoint, you need multiple touchdowns and you need 200 plus receiving yards. But then the downside being, obviously, it means the quarterback himself has done well. So I could see someone on the Buccaneers, like the non-Brady MVP, I could kind of see that happening. Like I could see a defensive player on the Bucks getting it because I could see the storyline of like the Bucks. Like if Jason Pierre-Paul got four sacks, I could see a world in which he gets the MVP. I'll tell you, it... The more I think about it, the only chief I think that could win besides Mahomes would be like Mecole Hardman because maybe he has a punt return for a touchdown and then has like a 70-yard TD reception. And then they end up winning, you know, with not scoring that much where because that punt return touchdown, there's no Mahomes impact on that. 
because it has to be something that Mahomes isn't also involved in. Because you're right, it's not going to be a running back. So if it's going to be a receiver, Mahomes is always on that other side of that receiver. But if Hardman can return return a punt or return a kickoff for a touchdown and get like another touchdown, then that might be enough to swing it if it's a close, low-scoring game. But if it's a shootout, I mean, Mahomes is going to have his hand in at least four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, if you think back to last year, right, Mahomes won it. The year before that, Edelman won it. <clears throat> Edelman won it. And that was like a zero offense year, but with also no standout defensive plays. So it kind of makes sense that you that couldn't like give it to 13 to 3, right? Yeah, you couldn't give it to a quarterback and you had to give it to a receiver who'd made like a big play. Then it's falls before that, Brady before that, Von Miller, who had that just super destructive game against the Panthers. That makes sense, but he had to have an like an incredibly good game for that. Tom Brady before Malcolm Smith, interestingly enough, linebacker for Seattle, that was against the Broncos. Um, but fundamentally, yeah, it's I mean it's a quarterback dominated. Then before that, the run is Flacco, Manning, Rogers, Breeze, and then Santonio Holmes, who obviously had the iconic catch in that Super Bowl. So you're either needing a super, super iconic moment at the end of the game that wins it for you. Or, I mean, if you imagine, like, Malcolm Butler didn't win Super Bowl MVP for when you think of the play he made against the Seahawks for the Patriots. Admittedly, it might have been pretty much the only thing he really did in that game. But, like, even if you're getting yourself, like, the game-changing iconic moment, that's not going to lock you in. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, with that, I look forward to a nice Chiefs win and not covering the spread. And then Eddie wins the spread bet. (laughs) I will say I won't be the unhappiest man in the world if the Chiefs win. But, you know, I hope the Bucs win. But I, I won't be... I won't be destroyed if it just so happens the Chiefs win on Sunday. But yeah, no, I think it will be interesting. And obviously it's a good weekend of sport because yes, you do have, if you, if you like cricket, there's the big batch final. So the T20 from Australia, there's that on Saturday morning. You've got, uh, you've got horse the cricket. Racing. You've got Leopard's decent Town. horse. Yeah, you've got the Dublin uh, festival uh, over the course. So a lot of, a lot of horses that you'll see going to Cheltenham will be racing on Saturday and Sunday. And yeah. then you've got the Six Nations starting. You've got some decent Premier League matches because you've got Liverpool City on Sunday. And uh, I guess we can just finish that off by saying, I think we can remove Liverpool from any title discussions. I think so too. I don't it's... think the final, the final nail in the coffin could be hammered in on Sunday but it's, it's already been stuck in the top of the coffin. So what about a City Chiefs double? I think that's a good bet. I might like City double chance just to give myself a little bit more room there, but yeah. Wow, way to be risky, Eddie. Why don't you take City triple chance? Yeah. <laughs> a, a result win, win, lose, or draw. This you, coming, you win. Hold on. This coming from the guy who's tried to bet the field in the Grand National. Don't even, don't give me adventurous odds. Your equivalent of the bet is I'm going to bet on Manchester City Liverpool, the match to be completed. I'm going to take City plus five. 
wow, if you'd taken uh, Southampton plus five this week, you would have lost that one. So obviously Manchester United beat Southampton 9-0 to tie the biggest winning margin in Premier League history, which oddly enough, Southampton have lost 9-0 twice in the past 12 months or so, 18 months or so, twice in two seasons, which is crazy. Not a good look. Well, also for a relatively good team, it's insane. Like, it's not like they're fighting against relegation both years. You're talking about a team that's winning more matches than they're losing and yet still managing to get absolutely thumped on two occasions. Thromped even. That's, oh, that's a thromping. That's a, that's a double chance thromping. (laughs) It will be interesting to see what's the combined goal differential of all their other matches this year. Well, Southampton are lucky that they had a very good start. So they don't have to worry too much about kind of below them. But uh, yeah, I mean, they had a guy sent off in like the 12th minute, which obviously um, probably opened the floodgates, but never to 9-0. It shouldn't be to 9-0, even with 10 men. No, I mean, so that's that's knocked them into the negative. So they were... They are now negative seven on the goal difference. So they were plus two going into that match. Interestingly enough, I guess depressing from a United supporter standpoint, they are three points behind City, but City do have a game in hand. But then when you consider that United just won nine nil, City's goal difference is plus 26. United's goal difference is now only plus 19. So Wow. But yeah, I think we could fundamentally, if City win on... Sunday, I think we could definitely remove Liverpool from any title discussions. And fundamentally, I think this title is basically done and dusted. All right, boys. Well, we'll talk to you next week and discuss the Super Bowl. Yeah, see ya. Yeah.